right. Here we go again. Mike not ready. Hello, folks. I am Scott. I am a heathen. I am the Sober Heathen. Welcome to another episode of the Sober Heathen podcast. This is another impromptu one. It seems like that's all I do these days is I get something, some sort of bug up my ass and want to talk about something. Um, tonight, just uh, today was a, kind of a rough day for me uh, mentally, just uh, focusing on stupid shit, um, letting stupid shit get in my head. Um, you know, worrying about things that are out of my control, which is absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. Sound like my 98 year old great grandmother. It's ridiculous to be worried about such things that are out of your control because that's just going to dig you a hole. If you can't change things, you're wasting energy sitting here and stewing. I'm still doing it and it's like freaking midnight. Um, it's all a work in progress. So I thought maybe you do a podcast because something hopped in my mind. Um, you know, I want this to be somewhat educational and I don't have all the answers. I think I have minimal answers when it comes to a lot of things um, because I'm still learning myself. Um, but uh, just looking at the system, the way it's set up, um, you know, if you know anything about me, I am I'm I'm a libertarian when it comes to to things. I think the government should be smaller and do less because I think they truly fuck shit up more than they help. But that's for a different type of podcast. But that still remains true when it comes to the um, addiction area. Um, you go into courts and, um, you know, I haven't been in many, many hours of it, but I've been there enough now with four OWIs. Um, I've been around, I've been in four treatments, four inpatient treatments, um, an outpatient treatment and a billion hours of AA meetings. So I get a pretty good idea what the standard is. A lot of people are thinking the same thing or at least saying the same thing if they're not thinking it. Um, the system is designed. In fact, I had a counselor um, at Harbor Hall who quit working in the system because he was sick and tired, quote, of seeing people get chewed up and spit out. Because the system isn't designed to help. They may come at it and think that they're helping. Let me say it this way. If you go to any counselor, okay, especially a counselor that has been through recovery, uh, been through an addiction, or you go to any AA sponsor, and you say to them, yeah, we'll just put them in a cage and they, they won't be able to drink or use. So at least at least we have that. And, and a lot of friends and family of people who um, are who really care about their person that's in substance use disorder, uh, they think that that's the answer, too. And sure, is that going to prolong their life? Absolutely. That you can't overdose. Well, you can overdose in jail. I'm sorry to tell you Drugs are not absent um, inside jails and prison. They're they're just not. And people that have this imagination of you go into this cage and it's this perfect thing where you have to sit and suffer and think about what you've done like you're in the corner as a child. Um, well, even as a child, you're put in the corner. You're not just your nose isn't there. You're looking around. You're waiting to see where mom or dad is or whoever raised you. You're looking to see. Um, it's the same in the court system. There's a reason why when I went in there that I had to squat and cough to make sure nothing was up my butt. There's a reason why they had me lift up my testicles 
to make sure nothing was taped behind my nutsack. Um, things can get in. Even doing that, things get in. Uh, guys make alcohol in there. It's The system doesn't stop anything. It just makes it a little bit more inconvenient. Um, it certainly, now granted, making some hooch is a lot harder in jail to get it and get fucked up every single day. I understand that. Um, but the point is, just trying to make hooch or get drugs in and even getting a little hit or even the guys that are snorting coffee, um, that's active addiction, whether they're using the drug or fucking not. So right there is enough proof to tell you that it doesn't do a goddamn thing. So you're in this cage and what do most people do? So the first time I went to jail, I was lucky enough that I only had to do weekends because I had a really good job. And I paid for a lawyer and he made that happen because my jail stay wasn't all that long. So I got to do a handful of weekends. I got to a point where I realized, well, I don't have to blow because I'm going into jail. So I went into jail all drunk and that really knocked out the first night and most of the next day because I was hung over and felt like shit. I could sleep better. So again, it's not putting in a cage is not the answer. If you are dangerous and violent, then yes, you need to be in a cage so you cannot hurt anybody else. But I got news for you. You can hurt people in jail too. And there's a lot of good people in jail that have just made bad mistakes that are put in the fire um, when you do that too. So what am I saying, Scott? Just that you don't put uh, alcoholics and drug addicts in jail. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you're if your actions are severe enough, you need to be punished. I drunk man. I wish I could talk sometimes. What is the saying that my one of my grandmothers used to say? My tongue went over my eye tooth, so I couldn't see what I was saying. Something like that. Uh, uh no, I completely lost my thought. Oh, I was talking about me and drunk driving. That's very dangerous. A lot of people get seriously hurt with drunk driving. People have lost uh, loved ones because of drunk idiots like me out driving around. So I'm not saying there shouldn't be punishment, but you're not solving the problem by sticking somebody in a cage for months on end. It's part, it, there's, there's, yeah, well, it is part, it is part mental. And that part is bigger than the use itself. And if you went up and asked any counselor or any AA sponsor and said, if that could just get them to stop drinking, they would be fine. The Say that to an AA sponsor and see what happens. Because if they're if they've paid attention to anything that the big book has said or anything that I've heard in AA meetings, they would look at you like you're an idiot. Because especially in AA, it's driven home that alcohol, for me, an alcoholic, is just a symptom. Problem is in my thinking. Just like today, I get in my own head about shit that's out of my control. I get in my head because things didn't go a certain way that I wanted them to go. And now all of a sudden I'm making up reasons to be pissed off Then my internet goes out. And I swear to God, if it goes off during this podcast, man, I'm going to eat. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to eat a pop can, but again, how stupid is that for me to say that you need a pop can? God dang. It's it. So the problem is in our thinking. So how do you change your thinking when you're sitting in a cage all by yourself with nobody to talk to, except for people that are either in the addiction with you or they're in some sort of other um, calamity, you know, they're a violent person, you know, 
how are you going to get over the problems that cause you to use by sitting in a cage? You're not. So, well, you can't send everybody to treatment. Well, that's true. I worked at a treatment center and I remember hearing one of the higher ups. Well, he's actually the up. And he was talking about how they have a waiting list a mile long. And the people that are funding this place are like, why in the hell are you not getting people in and out of here? Well, that's that's twofold. Some people come and they stay a very long time. And that is also a multi-layered uh, issue. Some are staying because they don't have anywhere else to go. Others are staying because they fucking need it. When I went to treatment in uh, Harbor Hall the first time, there was a dude in there that was over 200 days in treatment. And that was in the treatment. That wasn't just um, the treatment and then sober living. That was in treatment itself. And I hope to God the guy's doing good. I see him on Facebook. I think he's my friend on my account, but he never posts anything. I hope he's doing good. He's a super nice guy. Um, but he needed it. And he was a good, really good person from what I could tell. But then again, everybody in there, the overwhelming majority of people that were in treatment were good damn people. But if you heard them talk about their story and how many times they've been in the jail or prison and how many uh, fights they've been in or they're walking around with a gun or they're holding a gun to somebody's head because uh, they owed them money or something, you would think that these are terrible people. They're not. That's just what they had to do to survive, what they thought they had to do to survive. Because you can talk to a lot of people who went through those same things who are 10 or, you know, years and years and years in sobriety, and they did those same things. And now you walk up to them and you think they're a freaking pastor. And some of them are. Some of them are a pastor. Some of them are teachers. Some of them are, you know, uh, uh, counselors. So I just, I'm just irritated today with looking at the system uh, for my own personal story. You know, uh, nobody told me anything. I got no letters in the mail, but, uh, uh, a, a, a friend sent a message today to another friend who sent it to me and it says that I have a court date on March 30th for the case that's already done. But it says something about uh, my fines, um, a review on my fines. I haven't even been out of jail a month. You take my license from me. You put me in jail for two months. You take me out of the job market. Um, I was signed up for college and I had to drop out of that. So I had to do all these things because the system decided on a charge that was almost two and a half years old, two years and four months, they finally decided to sentence me after all the work that I'd put in. Now, was it perfect? No. Did I probably need the time to reflect? Yeah, maybe sometime, but not in two months sitting in a fucking cage. That didn't do shit for me. It forced me to be around other idiots one idiot in particular who was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I do uh, I do meth all day. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. I still eat. I can sleep. Got a job. You don't have a fucking job. You sell drugs. And he didn't care. And all he was one of those people that justify every shitty thing that they've ever done. And I'm over here trying to make amends for the stupid shit that I've done. I'm over here trying to make up for the time that I've lost with the people that I care about most. And I'm stuck in a cage after I've put myself into treatment and worked my ass off. But the system knows fucking better. The system knows that I need to be in that cage because I need to be punished for something that's two years and four months old. And now they're going to drag it out again. Again, 
That's me overreacting. See, when you get to a certain part of recovery, okay, just hit, I just hit six months and I'm so proud of myself for that. And I'm so thankful to all of you who reached out and, and, you know, uh, showed some love for that. I, I do. I, it means a ton to me. I can't change that the courts set up a court date and they want to talk about why I have not been out a month yet and still haven't sent them any money for the seven, well, just under $800 that I owe them. I cannot help that. And I could call tomorrow and they say, oh, no, that's just saying that that's when we anticipate you making a payment. I don't know. I don't know the systems. It feels like it's different for every fucking person. It's like you waited two years and four months and now all of a sudden you can't wait to get your fucking get your claws in and and get some drips of that blood or that pound of flesh. So I need to suck it up. It's uh, one o'clock in the morning. And I can't do anything until about eight o'clock tomorrow morning when I can call the county clerk and say, what the hell does this this mean on the system? And if they tell me, yeah, I have to come in, then so be it. Uh, I will offer to throw some cash at it. Um, I plan on filing for bankruptcy, but that's not neither here nor there. Anyway, getting back to the um, so you have you have judges that will send everybody to treatment. OK, and then you have judges that won't send anybody to treatment. Uh, because they think that, oh, well, if I send you to treatment, you're just going to end up in leaving. And I know this, well, I don't know it, but I was told this by an individual who I was in jail with who went in front of the judge and said, I want to go to this place. And the judge told him, no, you're going to go where I tell you to go. Because, again, this place in the courts, this place, the courts want to send these people to this place because it's like, uh, I'll tug on you, you tug on me type of thing. It doesn't matter if the person wants to go to a facility that is much better. It's what the courts want them to do. So you have judges that are, who think they're doing well, and and they probably are helping some people by sending some people to treatment, sending everybody to treatment. So the waiting list is just enormous, but I would, I would put a large amount of money that I don't have on that those people in waiting lists are sitting in a fucking cage waiting for a spot to open. Because I know there were two people waiting for a spot and treatment when I was in there. And they were going to sit in that jail cell until that spot opened in that place that the jail will only send people to. So that means that that place has a waiting list too. So it's just a fucked up deal, man. It's a fucked up deal. You are not going to fix somebody that is in use by sitting them in a cage. Um, we got to do better. Um, I got I to gotta keep working, working hard, uh, not just for myself, but to take the things that I've learned, the lessons that I've learned, and hopefully one day be able to help somebody out to help them get through it. I need, you know, uh, service work is something big that AA talks about and other groups talk about it too. And I, and the more I've been thinking about it, the more important that is. And I need to get my ass. I need to, you know, do favors, shovel snow, do whatever I got to do to get some rides um, and get to jails and offer, offer to talk, offer sponsorship, a sponsorship. I do have a certification in, uh, in uh, recovery coaching, offer my services. Even if nobody takes it, I, I should go down there and sit there for hours to see if anybody wants it. I need to set something up like that. I need to give, give back um, in some way. You know, I know sitting in jail for me, with one AA a week, um, where half the people there or more were just there to get out of their cell. 
Um, and you know what's funny about that? Even with that being the case, it still was really good. I know uh, meetings can be intimidating, and you can walk in and you can judge people very quickly. Um, I talked about that in a couple podcasts where I went to my first AA meeting and this dude looked like he just came out of the pig farm. He just got done wrestling some pigs. And I know more about farming. I know they don't go in and wrestle pigs. That's not my point. It's just he, he was in his overhauls. He was dirty from head to toe. You know, he working on cars all day, doing whatever he was doing. Um, but you know what? Now I respect the fuck out of that guy because he did all that, probably worked his ass off all day, and then he got his ass into a chair in an AA meeting. I know AA has a stigma about it sometimes. You think you're going to be judged or you're thinking to be in there with a bunch of people that don't know me. Well, they fucking know you. They haven't even met you, and they know you. Why? How do I know that? Because they all knew me. And everything that they told me back in 2019, well, I started going to a couple meetings in 2018, and then I got serious in 2020. Um, but I was going to meetings in 2018. I had some gentlemen from the local group. They would pick me up and they would take me to meetings and I was hearing all these things and it was in my mind, you know, after I, I went and I, I couldn't tell them, no, no, I, I got something I got to do. Well, you can't fucking drive. So you're not going anywhere. You don't have anything to do. So these awesome dudes would pick me up and take me to meetings and I'd hear these people talk, and in my head, there would be a bunch of times I'd be like, well, I'm not that bad. Fuck. Whoa, this dude's got three OWIs. Well, man, I'm only here for my second, so pff, I ain't that fucking bad. And I got four now. I got four. I'll never be that bad. I've only been in jail for a few weekends. I'm never going to spend months in jail. Spent months in jail. I'm never going to be a felon. I'm a felon. So these people know what they're talking about. You're going to have some hotheads in there that just like to talk to hear themselves talk. You're going to have that anywhere you go. But if your sobriety isn't uh, worth enough to sit through that and let that go and take what you need, I still do it. I fucking struggle. The other night I was in a meeting. A friend of mine reached out. So I'm struggling, dude. I'm like, hey, I got a good meeting that we can go to. I was tired. I was with... um uh, somebody very special. We were spending some time together with a little encouragement from her um, and me knowing what I should do. I just needed to hear somebody I care about reel me in all the way. I give her full credit though. Uh, I, I offered him the meeting and I went in the meeting with him and then he disappeared. And I'm, you know, I'm as nice as I can cussing him out in messages, text messages and on Facebook and then he's like, oh, I'm coming back, man. I'm on somebody else's phone. My phone died. And I was like, oh, you fucking asshole, you assuming fuckstick. And, you know, I mean, it ended up being really good. You know, there was a smile on his face uh, by the end of that meeting. And uh, I haven't heard from him since. So if you're listening to this, dude, you know who you are. Make sure you reach out to me. Um, but it was a good meeting after I sat through it. And, and you know, um I was like, God dang it. You know, I feel like I should be spending time over here and focusing on, on her and, and not sitting in this meeting. It ended up being really good. And I can tell you that that happens almost every single time. There's very rare that I walk out of a meeting that I commit myself to, um, that 
I walk out and say that whole thing was a fucking shit show. So it's, if you're using that as an excuse to not to go to AA or NA or peer 360 meetings or uh, talking circle or um, uh, smart recovery, I'm going to keep that one to myself. But um, so it's just an acronym. It's just an acronym. It's not like they think that they're smarter than everybody else. So leave it alone, walking away. So let's, to wrap this thing up, I want to just say that let's collectively try to do better. If you're listening to this and you have, you probably are either thinking you have a problem or you're listening to this um, and you know you have a problem um, or you know somebody that has a problem. And I hope there's, I hope that this can grow enough where there are more people like that where you know somebody that is struggling with alcohol or uh, some other substance, and you can listen to this and realize, you know, you can learn that it's okay that you need to have some serious boundaries. That's totally good. That's, that's highly encouraged, but they're not um, unique. They're not, uh, I'm missing the word I'm looking for here, but they're not an anomaly. There, there are millions of us. And we do a lot of the same things. And by hearing somebody, I hope, because it helped me to hear somebody like me uh, talk and, and tell their story and, and see some progress from that individual, it gives you hope. But that hope can't override the boundaries and the things that you need to do. And we talked about that in the last podcast where Cut them off, but don't cut them out. That's my suggestion. But there gets to a point. Um, my mother, for example, cut out, cut off. Um, more of a hassle to try to maintain that relationship uh, than it's worth for me in my sobriety. And my sobriety is number one to me right now. A couple weekends ago, and I said this in a previous podcast, I was wish that special lady spending time and just, I just needed to come back. We were going to spend the weekend. It ended up only being one evening together. And then I came back and I started working on the podcast and the website and and doing things because I'd gotten into a decent rhythm and I had to choose that over, over what makes me feel good in the moment. I need to work on what's going to make me feel good long-term. And in turn, We'll have better days in the future if I continue to work on things like this. It's a if you have a loved one that is in sobriety, and I'm speaking from myself, okay? I'm speaking from my experience and experiences I've heard others say. But for me, I now understand that the longer that I stay sober and work on it, not just abstinent, because we talked about that before, just not drinking is not enough for me. I have to work. I have to do this podcast. I have to post on Facebook all the time and Twitter. I have to do these things constantly to keep my foundation strong. So the whole damn thing doesn't crumble down on me again today. Today was probably the toughest challenge I've had. And I just realized it by talking just now. That yesterday was the biggest accomplishment that I've had, the biggest uh, milestone that I've had in my sobriety by hitting six months. And then the day after was one of the hardest days mentally that I've had. That's why I do this fucking podcast right there. 
because I think what happened was I hit yesterday and I think somewhere in my mind, because it's a thinking disease, somewhere in my mind, my mind said, we made it to six months. I think that's what happened. And then I started to take things personally, uh, take things to heart um, because I opened that door just a sliver for the disease to get in because that disease was a knocking. I mean, I was pissed off. My internet went down and I was fucking pissed off. It, it wasn't just that. It was it was a multitude of things. Um, but the internet thing just blew up. I mean, I went off in text to my best friend. I went off to that lovely lady in a text message, you know, worrying her for no reason over the fucking internet. Um, I dialed the number to the internet service. I'd have to count four or five times ready to bitch somebody out. But that the sober me in there was like, dude, whoever you talk to, it's not their fault. You're going to call and be an asshole for no reason to somebody. So I called again and uh, pushed zero a hundred times. I swore at the uh, voice recorder saying, I just want to fucking talk to somebody. Zero, 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 zero. And then um, this dude, I think his name is Jay, answered it. And he's like, hey, how can I make your day better today? Blah, 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 blah. He had a big spiel. And I was like, hey, man, just want to know why my internet keeps going out. It's not just today, blah, blah. And had this nice conversation. I was not mean or, or aggressive. I thanked him for his help. And I hung up the phone. And so I did what I wanted to do. I wanted to call and express my frustration because I'm paying for a service and not having a job. Money's tight. So I depend on help. Um, and, and, and what little money that I have to my name, um, you know, the internet right now is part of my foundation. You know, you look how many times I post on Facebook a day. Um, and then I'm doing podcasts several times a week. I'd like to do it every day, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to burn people out. Uh, but, uh, it's just how quick today, how quickly things turn. So, what I need to do is uh, I just need to wake up tomorrow, make some phone calls, figure out what's going on, and everything will go back to being fine if I just chill the fuck out. It won't be fine if I can't. You know, I, I go back and look at the posts on Facebook if you would. I I think the posts that I had, you know, some posts that I post, I'm like, oh, this is really good. This is really good. This is going to get a lot of hits, a lot of interaction with people, and then it's like crickets. And then I post one that's just truth and authentic and those are the ones that blow up you know i don't overthink it and i posted one about acceptance and it's got it's got decent uh, mojo going check it out because it's it's it is it truly is the most important thing when you're trying to recover and when you're dealing with somebody that's recovering accept who they are that accept that they have a problem accept that it is not going to be perfect um you both have to accept that there's going to be fuck ups relapses and slips it's just the nature of the game. There are some people who decide to quit and then they quit with no treatment. They quit with uh, just just meetings. Uh, one of my favorite counselors at Harbor Hall, uh, he didn't go to any treatment. He went to AA, found a sponsor, and he made it. And I would love to have him on the, tick, on the show, the TikTok. What the fuck? I'd love to have him on the show sometime. I just haven't worked up the courage to ask him yet. Um, Because his story is a good one, because years into his sobriety, he ended up getting a divorce. And he will tell you that 
at first it's like, what the fuck? I quit drinking and then then I get a divorce. I should have stayed drinking. Well, he didn't change this. He changed the drinking. He didn't change the thinking. And, you know, that was, that was, uh, you know, that was a very powerful story to, to kind of bring it in that this thing just doesn't change by putting down the bottle or the needle or the other bottle. Uh, these are all prescribed by the way. Uh, so I touched on like so many things, but the, <laughs> to trying to, trying to bring it full circle, um, isn't always easy when you have an alcoholic brain, I guess. Um, but the system, the system is designed, uh, to help from people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about or doing. It's designed by them and it sucks and we need to do better. Um, we need to do better. We need to, um, figure out ways to get these treatment centers, uh, funding because the government's a piece of shit. And, um, you know, these guys, these guys need every chance that they can get and gals. When I say guys, I'm including everybody, guys and gals, they deserve every shot. If they want help, they deserve the best fucking shot that we can give them. And I'm sorry, um, us getting taxed by a corrupt government who spends money willy nilly, um, and has politicians that come in, um, that were working day jobs and they, they leave politics uh, millionaires that tells you all you need to know about uh, DC and, and state uh, governments. Anyway, not a political show, dude. Shut the fuck up. Point is, we can do better by ourselves. We are smarter as a whole. We are in touch. We are the ones with our thumbs on the pulse of reality. Um, the Sober Heathen, uh, I did a, a fundraiser. Um, Right, right in the beginning, um, I did a GoFundMe uh, to try to raise some money to give to to Harbor Hall, and um, you know, one one really nice, awesome person donated a uh, hundred bucks, and that's as far as we went as far as uh, monetary, and that's okay because uh, looking back at it, and as she suggested that you know you're fresh out of recovery, giving you money is probably not on people's priority list, so I'm going to venture away from the money thing for a long time because I understand and appreciate that thought process. Um, but I already have basically back of the truck uh, full of items here at the house um, to take to the treatment center uh, blankets and, and various other items. Um, granted we're going in the summer. So um, I'll set a date on this thing for the next fundraiser. So if you're in the area or you want to send it in, I can give you information. Just find me on here. Um, I can't tell you how many times guys in treatment would, I'd give them a shirt and they wore that shirt like every other day, they'd wash it and wear it again, wash it and wear it again. Cause a lot of these guys don't get, uh, another shirt and every act of kindness, every smile that you, that you provide in treatment is, is giving, you know, another inch on that ladder that they're trying to climb. So um, be more about that in the future, but we can't leave the system to fix this. If you were a person, you wouldn't be listening to this, but if you hear a person talking like, yeah, we just need to put them in jail, that'll solve everything. They are completely clueless and have no fucking idea what the hell they're talking about. These people need to be able to talk about their things. They need to be connected. I've said it before. It's my favorite quote. Connection is the opposite of addiction. 
They need to be connected and talk to people who understand what they're going through. They need to be able to talk to people they can trust and, and be outgoing. When you're in jail, you lie about everything. You have to because the guards will spin everything on you. Now, not every guard is like that, but things will be spun. You know, you'll get thrown under the bus. I was blamed for pissing in a vent for like a month. People thought I was pissing in a vent in my own vent in my own room. So it would smell like piss. And and they weren't telling the guards this, but they were, they were saying things, you know, uh, when they were talking, when they're too ignorant to realize that the place is made of block and everything echoes and you can hear them. So anyway, let's do better. Let's look out for the people that are struggling. Let's not hand them a bunch of money. As we talked about how I don't even want money handed to me um, through monetary donations. Um, let's, we can do better. We can do better as in, you know, shampoo, body wash, bars of soap, toothbrushes, uh, t-shirts, shorts coming into the warmer season, swimming trunks, uh, cheap flip-flops, expensive flip-flops and flip-flops in general. Uh, shoes, uh, boots for guys that uh, uh, land. A lot of times you go into treatment and you have a job when you walk out. That happens a lot because there's a lot of people that have been through this that want to help. And those are the people that need to be celebrated. And those are people that need to be on the podcast as this thing grows um, to celebrate them and what they're doing. So blabbing done. I feel much better. If you listen to this, thank you. If you post or like and comment or subscribe on uh, it's almost impossible to get on some of these things on these social media uh, outlets. Like I think uh, a discord, I started a discord channel. Um, If you like information on that, just shoot me a message on Facebook. Um, We have several different rooms we can divide up and then go in and have conversations, private conversations. And it's more anonymous because your username can be whatever the hell you want it to be. I think that would be something that we can push, but I can't get a boost and I can't have them like search on a lot of these things. Like on, you have to have so many subscribers on YouTube. You have to have so many followers on uh, Facebook and it's thousands and thousands. It's, it's We're nowhere near that. And it's not going to happen anytime soon. If it happens at all, I have to be realistic, but this isn't to, for the masses. This is for the individual. Hopefully that's something that comes out of my mouth or one of the guests mouth. Um, hopefully it'll help. Um, it was discussed, might have a guest episode coming tomorrow. Uh, he didn't get back with me today, but I will reach out with him first thing tomorrow. And, uh, if that happens, you will see another podcast tomorrow. Uh, one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, he has an absolutely, his story is just, he's going to be on here one way or another, even if I gotta, if I gotta go crazy and, uh, drag his ass from up north to this house and then chain him to something. He's a big dude. It'd take a couple chains. Um, but if you made it this long and, and he is on tomorrow and the episode comes out tomorrow, you are not going to want to miss it. I mean, what this dude has been through is just, and I love the guy. He's a, he looks like a serial killer, but he's got the heart of a care bear. I don't know if I should have just called reference to him as a care bear, but anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you all are resting well. I hope this finds you well. If you listen to it in the morning, uh, you are appreciated. All of you. Um, those of you who, uh, reached out for my six months this weekend. Thank you. Uh, 
Um, journey doesn't stop here. It keeps going. So have a great night. Love y'all.